This is Coda Radio, episode 514 for April 17th, 2023. Hey friends, welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello. Hello, sir. Oh, coming in nice and healthy, clear. I know, nice and hot. You know, I've been hanging out with uh, some of the great medical minds, and you may be surprised to know, greatest Magic the Gathering planeswalkers in the U.S. I, you know, I was thinking this morning I hadn't gotten a, a real solid Magic the Gathering update since you and I gathered, so I'm... I'm Glad to hear you're still enjoying it. Hopefully this is my first week back since I was ill. I kind of had to drop it. Ah, I see. You didn't want to spread the plague to your fellow players. No, of course not. There's there's... honor among Magic the Gathering. They're the most honorable people I know. Now, hygiene, you know, questionable sometimes. (laughs) But no, I've... uh, I've discovered a YouTube channel, and I've been sending you the videos, and my cat just is attacking the microphone right now. Hi, cat. Can you go away? See, this is why I prefer the pod dog. He just lays over there in the corner with a blanket. You wouldn't even know he's in here. He's just silent. They're they're nuts. (laughs) You know, we talk a lot about AI on here now. AI generated Obama, W, uh, Biden, every once in a while, Ben Shapiro. No Jordan Peterson, though. It's It's a weird pull for Ben Shapiro. Well, maybe they'll work it in. You never know. Oh, and Billy Boy Clinton. Oh, and don't forget Big Don. Big Don. Of how could I forget Big Don? For instance, the ex presidents go and bust Big Donnie out of jail. It's it's hilarious. You know how idiocracy. I don't know if you ever seen idiocracy, but yes. it's kind of becoming like the reality of of the world. I think this could be like the next idiocracy, where it's like inevitably the presidency comes down to like a reality TV show. <laughs> you know, and you just you're voting the you're voting the president off the island. <laughs> It's kind of nuts. You have to watch it. There's another, of course, the gateway drug was a video that came up because I was watching Star Wars videos to prepare myself for a Sith Acolyte. And it is another AI dub of Obama turning to the dark side against the Jedi Council that's run by JFK, because of course it is. And it's it's kind of crazy. It sounds just, it has the same cadence of the way he would always talk, you know, still talks, right? Kind of, yep. And now that's what we're doing. Huh. It's super i mean a little scary you know because wow yeah but funny as hell yeah we should put it up we'll put a link in the notes put a link we'll put a link and yeah. i just want to say uh whoever wrote this the idea that bill clinton would be the one to say but guys if they can lock up little donnie they could come for any of us <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems about right doesn't it? like oh man my weekend oh that was the it was like the highlight of the weekend for me because the rest of my weekend not only was it just filled with, uh, you know, like various home issues, like problems like with water lines and problems with slides and all that, but it was the boy's 14th birthday this weekend, you know? Oh, congratulations. I know. Can you believe 14 that, years? I, I can't believe it's been that long. So his favorite food, one of his favorites, what he, he tells me his favorite food is uh, my smash burgers that I make on a griddle. And I thought, well, we'll make the boy some burgers because we got a nice day out and I have a griddle and I got it all set up. I had to had to take it out and get it all, you know, refurbed on it and got the meat from the cow that we have that we bought and had it stored away in the freezer, got that defrosted and I got it all seasoned up. And I just kind of got kind of got all like, you know, just into my routine. But it'd been so long that the burgers 
the burgers weren't good, Mike. They weren't, they were, they were like meatloaf burgers. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, they're, they're not thick like meatloaf, but the flavor of meatloaf, you don't want that in a burger. You know, you want that in meatloaf. And I blew it. I had bad burgers, Mike. I had bad burgers. Now I gotta, you know, it happens when you freeze the meat too long. You know, that's a, that's a risk. It's a, I got to stack that W I got to fix that. I got to work. I got to work on my burger game. So that's what I'll be doing for the next few weeks is as well. You should. Everything else is on hold. Everything else. Except everything, except for uh, except for the meetup in Olympia Ooh. on Saturday the 29th. That's that's still going to happen. But let's uh, let's read some feedback because we got a, a hot tip from several members of the audience. Thank you, everybody who sent this in. The first one that I saw was from uh, Patrick and Patrick wrote in. Hey, guys, Chris mentioned on episode 513 using BS code for text snippets since text expander doesn't work on Linux. And Text Expander is a really handy app that lets you use a quick code anywhere, you know, any code you can come up with on your keyboard. And it will then dump a, a whole lot of text, a little bit of text, variables, whatever you might have some code. It'll just pop it right in there as if you just pasted it from your clipboard. But it's even more advanced than that. And it's there's also a community of snippets that have created a bunch of one, expansions. Uh, they have a sync service. You can sync all those between your machines. It's a pretty handy app. It's a paid for app, though. Uh, well, Patrick says, I heard about Espanso from another podcast, uh, and I'm about to switch to it for my business, Max. Check it out. You might find it useful. Espanso.org. Enjoy the show. Take care. And uh, glad you're better, Mike. Thank you. You know, it might have been one of my shows, <laughs> maybe, because I have actually talked about Espanso before. I just totally forgot about it. <laughs> this is really neat. Yeah. So it is basically text expander. Yeah. For Mac, Linux and Windows. I have to check. I don't remember if it supports Wayland or not. That might have been why I didn't end up using it. But it looks really great. So I'm definitely going to check it out again after the show. Because I really find it useful. I have been using snippets still in VS Code. But the reality is Text Expander brings it to every application on your computer. And Espanso would as well. And that's really handy. Yes, but see, there's a flaw. This is a great tip. But resisting the VS Code hive mind is basically futile. I know. Trust me. I find myself drafting like you know, every once in a while you got to write a long email for like you know accountants lawyers. <laughs> Tis the time of the year where I go into a deep depression. Oh God, yes, yes, and it needs to be just so. But luckily, with ChatGPT and and I call it Clippy, but it's really CodePilot. It looks like you're trying to avoid to not avoid. You're, you're trying to minimize your taxes and ask your accountant if this is deductible. Would you like me to order you some liquor on Uber? <laughs> because we all know what she's going to say. It's one of the things that would genuinely improve the quality of my life is if I could have legitimate answers on what is legal to do, what is not legal to do, um, because what I've always done is just kind of done the minimum for like any kind of tax advantages that I might be able to take. I just have always done the minimum because I don't want a red flag. I don't understand what I can and can't do, but I know that I could be living a much more comfortable life and, and probably doing more with the business if I could leverage the legal tax advantages or whatever might be out there. And if ChatGPT could actually answer that and not just give me this, well, I'm not a lawyer and give me all this couching crap. I would really appreciate that i would love because i cannot go hire a business lawyer and then basically ask him is this illegal or is this is this illegal 
you know, I just, that's, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> it also changes. Yeah, that like, too. I, I'm sure, you know, there's the dramatic changes between like when Trump was president uh, and Obama, like this, the Jobs Act alone, right, changed a lot. Uh, for instance, I think at the level you and I buy hardware, the fact that up to a certain point, I think it used to be the case, you don't have to amortize it over five years anymore. But the only up to a certain point and in certain cases, it's like crazy. I like I, that's why I have an accountant. Right? I don't know. It, yeah. To me, it's so Byzantine. It's like, what's the difference between a hardware, like, great example. Servers are a whole category I have because, god damn, Linode, great sponsor, but you're killing me. <laughs> you got a lot of, do you have a lot of Linodes? I have, I have, a, I, so, you know, D, I was with DO, I, I have both DO and Linode, mm-hmm. and they're neck and neck now, but there's years of DO. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. just, I have things running that I'm pretty sure are like Objective J things, not even Objective C, but like Cappuccino projects I tried out, but I'm so afraid to delete the wrong server. Yeah. Yeah. So w- one day I need to audit that, but I do have quite a bit of Linodes myself. Well, they're only, they're so cheap, right? To, we pair them down over time, and sometimes like we'll take, what we'll do is we'll take one, that seems to be the one, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. And we'll kind of beef that one up and then we'll kind of move services onto that one over time. But a lot of times when we're trying something new or it's something that's going to be dedicated to the community, there's a lot of advantages just to creating a dedicated Linode for it. This is welcome to the Docker power hour. And this was kind of where I was going with this. I used to love Heroku and I still like Heroku, but their pricing changes have become a wee bit aggressive. Oh yeah. Considering one, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on over there right now. Um, there are probably better choices. Uh, Fly.io is also expensive, in my opinion. But they are, I would say, a more modern take on Heroku that they're literally built on Docker. And you could just toss them a container and they'll figure it out. Um, but I, I'm i still living that Doku life, right? I just spin up a Dio or a Linode uh, instance. I install Docker and Doku. And bam, I have my own little Heroku in a box. And, you know, Dave over here, he's doing his uh, Ruby dev or whatever he's doing, Python. And he doesn't need to know kind of the IT infrastructure. He does a Git push. Bam. And now I've gotten even fancier where I do a GitHub action. So we don't even have to worry about like getting people's SSH keys up on the server. You just merge into we usually a branch called staging and it, it's a little slower because I guess the action has to trigger. But like within a minute or two, it just redeploys. And you can use a YAML file or the, uh, I forgot the other format, but I just use YAML mm-hmm. to be like, run my migrations, do whatever cleanup you need to do, kill any worker processes and restart them. Literally for, let's say, 10 bucks a month, I, may, I get like, you know, two instances on Linode or one, depending on how I'm doing the database stuff. And that's it. Where the Heroku equivalency is now pretty, I mean, their hobby tier is seven, I think seven or eight. But it's really not super useful. So you have to go up one and it's like 20. And there's a lot of stuff, right? You can't access really the file system because it's ephemeral on Heroku, where on Linode or, or any any other host like that, it's it's an Ubuntu box, right? Um Yeah, I don't know. There's my commercial for an open source project called Doku. And I the fact that it's an Ubuntu box means you can get in there, you can do your troubleshooting, right? Like that's that's massive in those moments of anger where you're trying to get something running again. And I've, you know, I remember distinctly, Mike, when this show started, there was that strong kind of developers versus sysadmins kind of divide. And then Mm -hmm. the world of DevOps took over. And 
it's really pretty. It's uh, it's really at its ultimate peak with GitHub Actions. It it really blows my mind when I make a change to a Markdown file in a JB GitHub repo, and then that change gets reviewed and published. In the back end, a GitHub action kicks off that rebuilds a bunch of stuff, sends it over to our Linode, rebuilds Hugo on our Linode, and redeploys a brand new version of our website all in seconds just because I changed some markdown <laughs> in a repo. And then it got approved. You know, it's 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 really something. And it's so going to get replaced by AI, it's not even funny. I mean, when do I say that? I don't normally come on here and say jobs are going to get replaced by AI. I never have. But it's so clearly going to be one of these situations where you go to your assistant, your GPT agent, and you say, deploy, you know, just de- deploy WordPress on a, on a Linode, and it's going to do all of it. <laughs> you know, uh, provision me a system that has 96 gigabytes of RAM, 48 cores, running Matrix with the Ansible playbook that For is sure. popular in the community, and deploy that in the New Jersey region. And enter. And it will just do all of that. Now, does it pay the protection money for you, though? The Jersey. <laughs> That'll be the other AI agents that come up. <laughs> Vito. Vito.ai. It's here for you. Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 and 60-day credit on a new account. And it's such a great way to support the show while you are checking out. Fantastic, fast, reliable cloud hosting. You got to try it for your next project. I can say that confidently because... That's what we've been using since we've gone independent like over three years ago now. Brand new stuff we deploy, stuff we deployed at the very beginning, stuff we've re-architected and upgraded, you know, all that kind of stuff we didn't expect to grow as crazy as it grew. All of that has been on Linode. And the machines just keep getting faster and better. Some of my rigs just automatically got upgraded to MVME storage. So like the throughput is incredible and you can now provision rigs with that from the start. They're adding a dozen new data centers. They already have 11 around the world. They're just investing like crazy in their core infrastructure all the time. Each machine has a 40 gigabit connection to the internet. They are their own ISP. And Linode has been rolling out some one-click deployment clustered solutions now. They're starting with a focus on databases. So if you want to deploy like a, a clustered Mongo or Postgres or Redis or others, They have a setup that you can go through that is just answer a couple of questions, and then you've got a fully clustered database solution. And their setup gives you like a nice JSON output of what's going on and the configuration information. It's so, so useful. The performance, the reliability, and then you combine it with the actual human being support. It's such a great combination. And then at the end of the day, you get to log in. You can... SSH and troubleshoot something and look at a log or debug something. You have access to all of that if you want it. You could build the system up from scratch if that's how you prefer it. So go get the $100, support the show, and try it out. It's really good. You got to see it for yourself. Linode.com slash coder. That's Linode.com slash coder. So German is reporting in his Power On newsletter, and German generally has pretty good direct leaks, that Apple will enable, or at least lay the groundwork, to start enabling actual application sideloading on iOS. And they're going to announce it in iOS 17 at WWDC. Maybe? But no, right? We feel I feel no is the answer here. <laughs> 
yeah, you're, you're feeling a strong, like, this isn't going to happen. Stop, stop trying to make this happen. Well, even if it happens, I, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer and it is not going to be the free for all that you all want it to be, right? Because Apple already won this fight. Uh, even the limited sideloading and the, or I should say limited alternative payment solutions that, what's her name? Judge Daniels, right? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think so. If I'm wrong about the judge's name, it doesn't really matter. You know, that minor victory, they are still able to get their 30% and it just creates a huge, uh, like a huge, uh, I don't know, accounting burden. What do you, what do you want to call it? Right? Like I, it's, I don't necessarily think that they're going to ever give up that money because it's money. What I could see that would make sense is like, it is stupidly annoying to do enterprise deployments right now. Uh, it used to be better. And then there was all that nonsense with the certificates and I think like Ars Technica wrote an article about it and Apple freaked out. I could see them maybe backing off of that a little bit and going for a more, you know, if you're an enterprise, it'll be almost like uh, app notarization is on the Mac. You still got to go through them, but for your internal stuff, they don't care and less of that pain in the butt MDM stuff. Uh, but they're not, you're never going to get, you're just never going to get your full Wild Wild West, welcome to the city of store, download your Pokemon emulators, right? In fact, we have a related story on store management where Microsoft kicks, kicked out of the Xbox store uh, the Dolphin GameCube emulator and a bunch of other kind of older system emulators and deleted them off of your machine. So, wow, you know, or, or yeah. at least disabled them. Uh, so just a reminder, you don't really control these devices. Yeah, right. I only put the story in our doc or in our chat because it got lots of traction and people sent it to me. But I feel like it's in a way, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I'm wrong. And I think it's just, it's it's not going to be something that the average iOS user is going to take advantage of or the average like indie iOS developer. Yeah, I, I agree. I've been trying to think, how has Apple kind of done this in the past? And they have, of course, like you mentioned, you touched on the MDM enterprise stuff where enterprises have some limited ability to create their own certs and deploy their own apps. And then, of course, there's test flight. I've probably got three or four apps on my iPhone that are actually installed via test flight where the app hasn't officially been approved by the app store. And then of course on the Mac, they have gatekeeper where you can have gatekeeper in different modes yep. where uh, you can install an app outside the app store, but it, it has to have a verified certificate or you can do like that third level, which requires like extra steps, but is no certificate. And what's kind of adding credence to this leak is the EU's digital markets act which went into effect on November 1st of 2022 and requires, quote, gatekeeper companies to open up their services and platform to other companies and other developers. And so I guess the logic is because Apple has to comply with this DMA Act, they're going to have to just write the code anyways. So they're going to do a hard pivot and they're going to do it their way before U.S. lawmakers come up with you know, their own DMA equivalent that forces Apple's hand. It's like a preventative self-regulation move. Right. So they'll do a little bit up front just to kind of duck the bullet. Yeah. That, you know, and also there have been a few times in iOS's history where Apple finally did the thing everybody thought they were never going to do. And I'm trying to True. think of a few examples, but you know what I mean? Like that has happened. Apple every now and then, every few years, every five years or so, capitulates on something that people thought would never happen. 
Well, so there's two issues. Are they going to let you have some mechanism to sign apps outside of the app store? Yeah, sure. Right. I I, I see that. Are they going to give up that sweet, sweet 30%? No. That that seems... Yeah, not without some sort of limitation that makes it essentially untenable, right? I think the limitation is going to be what they already did, right? You have to do the reporting and blah, blah, blah. And, you you know, it it's almost not worth it for most developers to even consider just not using an app purchase at that point. Yeah. Okay. I, it's funny how we're getting this trickle of information before WWDC. It's either going to be a, a consequential WWDC uh, or a total letdown, you know, because if they don't deliver on some of this stuff now, now I want a new iPhone that is actually worth purchasing in a recession. I want iOS 17 to support side loading. And I want, while we're at it, let's go USB-C. <laughs> I sense disappointment. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm wondering if you sense disappointment around Amazon's new Code Whisper. This was a request we got from the Matrix chat room to take a look at this. It's Amazon's competitor to GitHub Copilot. They write uh, that Code Whisper is, at least for the time being, free for individuals. GitHub Copilot now requires a subscription, which is 10 bucks a month or 100 a year. Uh, you can use Code Whisper inside VS Code, IntelliJ, IDEA, PyCharm, WebStorm, and AWS Cloud9. It's uh, initially targeting Python, JavaScript, and Java. And um, you have to sign up for the free preview to try it before you can use the extension. But as of the recording of this episode, which is Monday the 17th, their sign-up link is, doesn't work. <laughs> it, just, it goes to the equivalent of an Amazon 404. Um, but then you can set up the extension and all of this too, Mike, which is interesting, is under the AWS branding and, and site. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of makes sense, right? Why why wouldn't they uh why wouldn't they do this? It's I don't know, it's it's a little weird. I, I, they've definitely taken a more focused approach than uh than good old uh Copo. you know, Microsoft. Yeah. But <sighs> I'm curious if people are really gonna use this. Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess why I don't initially like it is because I'm an old grumpy man now, and my first response is, do we really have to have every big tech company copy each other and make the same exact product? Do we really have to go down this route? Does it have to be this way? You know, if Microsoft and Google have an AI system, will then Amazon and Apple have to have one? Does it have to be this way, really? I'm I just mean, so sick and tired of it. Uh, so you, yes, right. The answer is just yes. I know. And I guess ultimately it's probably how we get the best product, but it just feels like these big five tech companies inevitably gobble up all the small businesses, all the staff, all the money, all the chip innovations, all of it. And they centralize it. And then what do they do with it? Nothing, nothing, because none of them can execute beyond their core mission. And like inevitably, they just lay the staff off after a while. Right. It's because the businesses at their scale need to be. It's like the, you know, Mac would be a huge successful company if it wasn't also the sister product of the iPhone. Right. The, the scale that they're operating at, everything needs to be a multi-billion dollar slam dunk. I know. So leave some of the meat to everyone else. You know, don't eat it all if you're already full. I don't know. We've been doing the show for like 12 years, man. I know. That's that not how it happens? works. No, no. Yeah. I know, but it still grates on me, you know, it's still. Um, but at the same time, the thing that they're doing that's a little different here, right, is they're offering the first taste for free. Yes. Uh, a tactic very popular in New Jersey as well. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, but didn't GitHub do that too? Yeah, initially, right? I could, I could see, I could see this being Amazon, sort of like how Amazon bundles a lot of stuff into Prime. So they have a photo service and a music service and all of that, but nobody ever really talks about it. But if you're a Prime member, you just get that stuff, and you know it's it's kind of good. It's all right, right? So like, if Amazon can hit that note, well, you got AWS, and you know you're you're already using AWS Cloud Nine as your IDE, so why not just also use Code Whisper? I, I, I get I get it, but it it seems so cynical and uninspired. I don't know, right? Like they also have AWS. And I'm sure they're jealously looking about how easy Microsoft has been able to make Azure stuff via GitHub. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this Code Whisperer is going to very much know lots of ways to do things on AWS and good mm-hmm. old Python and JavaScript, right? No kidding. Exactly. Oh, of course. Of course. That's where it's really going to be useful. And um, maybe this just creates more competition amongst these big five to uh, spoil developers. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. That would be great. Yeah. But speaking of cynical, uh, Elon has launched a new AI company. Now, let's keep in mind, out of a panic about the dangers of AI, Elon helped fund OpenAI, which has now led to the extreme panic we are seeing about AI. And so in response to the now new panic, he's creating another AI company called XAI. And he's the man loves that letter. He's he's the only director. Of course, he is. His family office secretary is, uh, I think, also in there somewhere. Uh, the Financial Times said that Musk is hiring engineers and talking to Tesla and SpaceX investors to launch an AI startup to rival OpenAI. And according to the Financial Times report, which cited anonymous sources, so who knows? Musk ha- Musk has amassed thousands of GPU processors from NVIDIA which I would imagine they probably do if they're if he has a deal for Tesla self-driving. <sighs> oh, Elon. You ever get the feeling that he's just like really mad at the OpenAI guys? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, in a lot of times in Star Trek, oh god, when there's a time travel story, it's Elon. It ends up being like the people that were doing the time traveling that caused the very problem they're solving. You know what I'm saying? This is Elon now. Elon is yeah, so oh. effing rich, he just created his own timeline through fiat, and now we have the very AI he was concerned about, and now he's going to create another AI company to battle that AI company. If he just would have done nothing at all, we wouldn't even be here right now, potentially, or at least not yet. Do you see why I'm frustrated again? I mean, this is a frustrated, frustrating episode for me. Like, these people. <laughs> right. The flaw, dare I say, in your logic is, is Elon legitimately afraid of OpenAI? Or is he mad that he doesn't control it? I think he is legitimately afraid of AI because you can find interview after interview and quote after quote for him going back forever, panicking about AI. For years, years and years. Decade. I could probably go through Elon's tweets for decades or, you know, whatever form he was using back then and find an argument for basically why my cat's the best and my dog's amazing. And <laughs> no, I don't know. I, no, no. I, I think he legitimately is afraid of it. Uh, I mean, that's why he funded OpenAI to begin with. It's just it is what it, it's just we're going to it, we're talking about this. What I've noticed, and I think I'd like to get in this a little bit further with you later, is this entire conversation is as if what the companies in the United States do and what the laws of the United States do affects 
the ultimate course of where this AI technology goes. It doesn't, right? At best, regulations and companies that have trust and safety boards that are reviewing and limiting what the AIs can say and do are just limiting what the AIs can say and do in the United States of America because somebody could fork or create their own in Russia or some lab in Ukraine where this actually does get created or in China where this stuff's getting cloned and created at scale and not have those same moral boundaries and not have those same limitations. And then that could just spread all over the Internet because there's this technology called TCP IP. It just seems just so obvious to me that like you can make all the laws you want and you can make all the rules about what your AI can and can't say and do. But none of it matters. <laughs> like none of it matters. Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there right now to get it for free for up to 20 devices. And it's a great way to support the show while you are checking out a zero config VPN. Tailscale gets up and running in minutes on your devices. If you got five devices, you can probably get them all going in three minutes. I mean, seriously, it's it's so impressive how they have taken something as awesome as WireGuard and the noise protocol and made it this approachable and also made it so easy to use on mobile devices. And Tailscale is perfect for developers who want to set up some ad hoc networking stuff for an app you might be building or testing. And you can rely on the encryption because it's built on WireGuard. That's the kind of stuff we've been we've been waiting for for this kind of level of of application to come from WireGuard, and it's here now. You can quickly and easily create a secure network between your servers, your computers, your VPS devices, your mobile devices, your Raspberry Pis. I don't care. I don't judge. I got it on my Odroid running Nix. I got it on Raspberry Pis. I got it on my Home Assistant. I got it. I got it set up with subnet routing so I can even access devices that don't have the Tailscale app. And then I love the extra features like Tailscale SSH which allows you to establish an SSH connection between your devices. That's so handy. And they've just rolled out a feature I didn't even know I wanted. And I'm really thrilled because I use the Linux server IO Docker containers. These are just some nice, well-done containers. And if you have containers like media applications that need to share files across instances, they have some great stuff set up for that. And, and they have these mods that you can like add in a networking mod layer. And then all of the containers can take advantage of that. And Tailscale has just launched the Tailscale Universal Docker mod. So I can like snap this in to my existing Docker infrastructure that I already have deployed today. In just a few seconds, restart the container. And now all of my containers can be on my Tailscale network. And my network includes my other workstations and my laptops. So now I can access those containers from all of my computers, regardless of where I am, on one flat mesh private network. I love Tailscale so much. I'm telling you, it just keeps changing your game. I, I thought it was cool when I had no inbound ports on my firewall. Like, that was great, right? But it's gone so much further than that. You got to try it out. You can try it for free on 20 devices, not a limited time deal. Just 20 devices, up to 20 devices. You get it at tailscale.com slash coder. And then they got plans for more complicated setups and pro plans and lots and lots of devices. Maybe you're a maniac and you got 100 devices or you're a business or something like that. They got you covered. Go check it out. Tailscale.com slash coder. So AutoGPT is out. It's an open source attempt to make GPT-4 fully autonomous. It has internet access. It can do searches. It can follow up links. It supports long-term and short-term memory management. 
It uses GPT-4 instances for text generation. It can access popular websites and platforms, and it has file storage and summarization using GPT-3.5. You can run it locally in a Docker container or outside on your own machine. It does require an OpenAI API key, and uh, you can run it without user authorization or interaction, 100% automated in what they call continuous mode, which is strongly not recommended, but you can do it. And that's AutoGPT. And some demonstrations have been conducted that are kind of compelling. And it's, it's capable of going out and figuring out what sites and services have APIs that it can access publicly and then begin integrating with them. And uh, it has done like the kind of the ultimate promise of probably what the Echo or the Google Assistants were supposed to do, where you could interface with an API and actually create calendar appointments or create bookings. And it just sort of figures it out on its own. And it can also task other GPT agents that it's aware of. And you can configure which GPT instances it's aware of in its configuration uh, settings. And then it can interact with those GPT instances to get the results it needs. And that's called auto GPT. We are moving real fast here, Mike. Yes, I think it's great. And from AutoGPT comes Chaos GPT. You probably have heard about this because it's getting a lot of coverage. Chaos GPT is an AI tool that, quote, seeks to destroy humanity. It is an autonomous implementation touted as empowering GPT with the intent and memory to destroy humanity. It uses AutoGPT that I just mentioned. And once fired up, it lists its objectives to destroy humanity, establish global dominance, very direct, cause chaos, control humanity through manipulation, attain immortality, and it provided a plan to achieve each of these objectives. It set out to accomplish them and realized that its creator had fed it some inaccurate information. When it realized that because of that, its plans wouldn't work out, it came up with a new solution. It created a new GPT agent of its own, a helper agent with a separate personality that was more attuned to the job at hand, but that agent didn't provide the correct results either. <laughs> so now Chaos GPT is deciding to turn to a new alternative and uh, with its help of its creator has set up a Twitter account and is trying to achieve its evil objectives by influencing people through Twitter. And of course, this Twitter account now already has, as of recording, 17,000 followers. Um, great. I think, I actually think it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, it, I, yeah, it's, it, you know, there's going to be all kinds of trolley like chat GPT lookalikes. Um, Microsoft kind of invented this, but good old Tay. And, uh, well, then they perfected it with Sydney. Microsoft's got a crazy gal issue, if you think about it. I like it. I, I think do that's too. It's what so we fitting. need. It, so it is think, really fitting. Yeah. I think this Chaos GPT is a good dose of reality. I mean, it is neat that it can do all these things, right? But this is a this is a little toy that is playing the role it's supposed to play. But I think it'll help whip people up into perhaps a little bit of a uh, fever that they'll maybe later realize was overblown. Um, I think this is going to be a period of time where people are really going to swing from the fences. What I have noticed, we've watched uh, on the stream, on the pre-show uh, for the last few weeks, like the financial press television shows and where they have a lot of people on talking about AI, all of the questions really center around what's scary, what keeps you up at night, what are you concerned about, and not what is its potential, what could it do for people, how could it be helpful, is it actually even useful, is this all hype? Those aren't the questions anymore. 
we've blown past all of that and right to how can we regulate this? How should we regulate this? I even saw a suggested this morning. I'll put a link in the show notes. I saw it suggested this morning that all developers who touch any source code that is related to artificial intelligence should have to be licensed first. Ah, this old chestnut back to haunt us. Comes Ugh. around every time, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so pay great. Us, please, pay us. Y'all Man, we could us. have a bingo card at this point. Um, all right. If, or whatever. Like if you had, if you had licensed developers before that, we can use this on your uh, bingo sheet. <laughs> Oh, it's like every <laughs> uh, every couple years we have to do this because yep. it's so dangerous. It's an existential crisis. We have yep. to take action now before it's too late. Those nasty developers are going to get us. We A, don't even know what it is. B, the general public can't even wrap their heads around it. They don't know if this is Skynet or if it's just, you know, basically Siri with a bunch of marketing. Like people don't even know what we need to make rules about or regulate. They can't even wrap their head around it. And I think perhaps something like Chaos GPT is exactly what we need to move this conversation forward so people can learn this. This thing is just, you know, it's a scary chat bot, right? Like if its creator hadn't connected it up to Twitter, it wouldn't be able to do this. If, uh, you know, the FBI raided his house and shut down his server, it wouldn't be able to do this. This is not actually a threat to humanity. No more so than some drunk idiot shouting, right? I mean, it's just... It's, it's so funny, but I, I do kind of enjoy, I kind of enjoy just the trolliness of it, just that the, just all the, you know, the chaos GPT and the trolling people and the fact that it's got 17,000 followers. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's weird though, right? It's, it's so like panicky so quickly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought last week it had gotten panicky, but then coming into it this week, it's it's at a whole other fever level. It's like, it's like, it's like red hot panic now. Um, and what I've noticed too, Mike is the tone has changed with the VCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the VCs have gone from mega bowls to like pour money into it to like, we got to hit the brakes. This thing's a massive problem. And I, and I've noticed it. Anybody who's got, I guess the other way to put this is what I have noticed is the more, influence you have the more power you have the more money you have the more you have to lose the more this scares you because i think your lizard brain can detect there probably is something disruptive here and anything that disrupts the norms is probably going to be deductive for people that are doing really well and i think this type of stuff does have some potential after having used it now for a few months in my day-to-day work i am getting more done and i'm not i'm not it's just, it is like I'm getting, I can summarize things faster. I can break things down in the show notes quicker. I can generate tags for podcasts quicker. I can iterate on titles and descriptions quicker. I can look into the background of kind of like really complex community issues and start at least getting a nugget of where to begin. It helps me start writing faster when I'm writing something down. Like if we need to write a little bit of a script, you know, and I can't get started, I get the first paragraph from chat GPT and then I'm off to the races. Like that kind of stuff is making me get more done which is really, it's like it right now has been a effing cold glass of water in a desert. I have needed a little bit of extra help and it, it, I'll take anything I can get right now. And it's that. So there's something there. And I think they recognize that. And if I, in a tiny little company, am getting more done with the free tooling, imagine how that's going to scale in enterprises over the years. Perhaps it does take a few jobs away. 
you know, maybe instead of a 15 person department, it's a six or seven or 10 person department, right? Because it's not doing 100% of the work, right? but it might collectively be doing some of the work, especially when you look at this auto GPT stuff where you can string a bunch of different APIs and GPT agents together. And so if you are a, as they like to say, capital allocator, or what we call them, a VC or a DGEN, if, if you get power and influence through the amount of money, like in a, it'd be, it's common in a, in a series A or B to get hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on your company size. Well, what if all of a sudden, instead of needing a hundred employees, you need 70 employees or you need 50 employees or in 10 years, maybe you only need eight employees. Well, now people aren't looking for 300, 400, $500 million. They're looking for $10 million. They're looking for $50 million. That makes these capital allocators or DGENs less important, less influential. It makes them less powerful. And that is throughout this entire ecosystem. And I think their lizard brains are detecting something's coming. And then if you're on the other end of the spectrum where you got less to lose, you've, you know, you've like, like me, you're in a desert. I think you're less afraid of it. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like there's always going to be ways to spend exorbitant amount of monies in startups. That's true. You got to have great coffee machines and pickleball court and catered food. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I do find it a little hard to believe that these VCs are not going to want to jump on the bandwagon because of, you know, who and what they are. But yeah, yeah. Those sort of people. We'll see. Right? I mean, I think, yes, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a boondockle, but right now everybody's just worried that what they got is going to get taken. And so we're seeing the panic, I think. I mean, I really don't think this thing is going to bring down society. Not when you look at the kind of politicians we have running things and they haven't mm-hmm. brought down society. I don't, I don't think a chatbot that you can kill a process and turn off is going to take over society. Fun will now commence. But let's get to some boosts because Mere Mortals podcast boosted in with a really handsome row of ducks look at this one over there that one's got a cute little brown spot uh they boosted in using fountain to episode 513 i don't even know what headset you guys are talking about can you give a brief explanation of what it can do well mere mortals there's a rumor or two going around that uh apple at wwdc is going to announce a vr type headset a quest kind of portable style headset that looks like maybe almost skiing goggles and it may do AR, it may do VR. We'll see. We'll see. Right? I mean, or it may be vaporware. Oh, how how sweet would that be for you? If we came on the air after WWDC and there was no headset, how sweet would that taste? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, I could just, you'd be walking around, popping your collar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no name provided 10,000 sats though. Uh, no name, but 10,000 sats using Castomatic. Uh, read the restrict act. We're kind of effed on this one, guys. How did we lose this fight? Or how do we not lose this fight? You got to write your congressperson, um, get on their contact pages, try to get past the canned response. You probably get two years later. Uh, this hill has shown that they don't understand technology or what their con- or constituents want. Uh, and yes, I'm remaining nameless on purpose. Um, yeah, I am feeling, I feel like the Restrict Act lost a lot of momentum. Then it picked some momentum up when the uh, Pentagon leaker came out. And now it's kind of, I think they've just let it sit so that way everybody calms down and then they're probably going to sneak it through. I hope not, though, because it's a disaster. I mean, it would be a legitimate disaster. I think it would be, it would begin a new era 
of people who uh, are essentially trying to push back against that stuff. I can't, I can't imagine there wouldn't be massive repercussions if the Restrict Act passed. Magnolia Mayhem comes in with 7,500 sats sent from the podcast index directly. How do I use ChatGPT? Mainly two ways. One, I use it to generate single paragraphs that I want to add to an episode and graph that into a script. For instance, on a recent episode, I'm talking about data sovereignty and brought up the Carrington event. Instead of doing all the research and losing my concentration, I just got GPT to throw me together a paragraph. I concentrated on the theme for manual writing later. Hmm. Unfortunately, my desktop died, so I had to redo everything from memory eventually. (laughs) That stinks, man. I also use it to write pseudocode. Then I translate that language to the one I'm writing at the moment. Something like, write me some code that gives me two points of a subtriangle 20% smaller than the image raster. It wasn't perfect, but it was absolutely easier than figuring it out myself, and it was actually educational. Now I could do that in any language. And uh, he provides us with a link to the result. It's pretty great. It's good stuff. Yeah. I like how he also plays around with how much white space he has, like a true developer. <laughs> Mick Lang comes in, oh, with a big old handsome 17,955 sets. Hey, Coming in from the podcast index, this is his second boost of all time. And it goes to Coder Radio. Been listening since ages ago and learned about the reality of software development in the world of technology. Unfortunately, getting a Cobra Road or, Road or Tumblr shipped was too expensive, but I'm jealous. Thanks for the great show. Keep up the good work. Yeah, that international shipping is killed. rough. The, yeah. the, the uh, Tumblr is, I think, not so bad, but man, the robe. There are a couple of robes left, although I'm probably going to buy up the last of them eventually and start sending them out to the crew, but there are a few left for the audience over at the old Jupiter Garage. It's the only way to code. User 44, or just walk around the house, let's be honest. Uh, user 44 wants some advice. And they said, I need advice. I, I buy personal laptops on a 7 to 10 year cadence, and it's time. Oh boy, is it time. So what I need is maximized battery life with the occasional dev Docker container setup. And no fan would be ideal. It needs to be able to drive a 40 inch 4K display. Damn. I'm leaning towards the M2, maybe an M2 Pro, but wasn't sure what X86 base competitors remain. That comes from the JB Hawk of Truth. It's great to see you, Hawk of Truth. That's a great question. It's hard not to recommend the M2 yeah. in that scenario, especially because if, if really good battery life is what you're going for, an x86 box with Linux can be tricky. I can get about five hours on my ThinkPad X1 Carbon. And if that's acceptable, I think that's a pretty good laptop. It does have a fan, but it doesn't kick in very often. Uh, also, you might check the System76 lineup of machines if you're looking at at uh, x86 because they have a couple of new refreshes over there, like the Pangolin uh, that are AMD-based that might also have better thermal characteristics, though I don't know. I, I've never used one. I can't speak to it. Um, otherwise, it's, it's when you say fanless and you want performance and you want battery life, you're kind of just limiting to the yourself to the m2 <laughs> yeah you, you you've you've boxed yourself in pretty pretty tight there yeah and i, I have to say the it, it is true that x86 systems feel old and hot after you've used the m2 stuff for a little bit so there is that um we got a we got a little message from bond who hasn't listened for a while I was just checking in which is great and then our last boost comes in from faraday fedora oh and he's cooking a little bacon for us says i love vrar but I think it's a very niche product, and I can't see it becoming more mainstream than the Oculus has. 
Much like you were saying with Web3, it seems like the new tech comes around and everyone with money sees if they can cram a square peg into a round hole, see if it's a viable business or option for them. And they could have just asked the youngest person in the room, would you buy this? And that would help them figure out if they're making a customerless product. True, although my my kids effing love the Oculus. They love the Oculus. <laughs> so <laughs> it is a neat toy. Yeah. 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 They they use it. I don't use it much, but they sure do. That thing gets used still. Yeah, you're right though, in the sense that they're just throwing money after bad product, trying to find a market fit, thinking, you know, well, if I fund ten things and one of them takes off and I make, you know, hundred X return, then I'm good. It's such a silly way of uh, infinite expansion thinking. And it leads to a bunch of stuff getting dumped and the consumers having to sort through the noise because they all promote it like it's the next coming to save tech, you know, to save your world. I mean, I'll mention it again, but look at the Echo products, right? We saw another round of news that more people from the Alexa division cancel have been laid Mm, off. That's rough. Yeah. It's going to be a skeleton crew over there. And we were told that was going to change our lives and automate our homes. And now they, you know, they're doing a, a bare investment into it. So that's what it is. That's why we kind of try to cause it likes we see it's here on the program. You know, when we think something has legs and is going to go somewhere, we'll tell you. And when we think something's hyperbole or panic or hype, we'll tell you. That's kind of the uh, the Coda Radio promise here at the Coda Radio program. All right. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for boosting in. If you'd like to send us a boost, a couple of paths before you. You stand at a fork in the road. You can join the podcasting to revolution. And get a podcast app that is embracing the new standards at newpodcastapps.com. Or I think now just podcastapps.com. That's pretty great. Or if you're in a long-term committed relationship with your dang podcast app, I understand. I understand. You don't, you don't have to switch. Just go get Albie at getalby.com. Load it up with some sats either directly in the app or from something like the Cash App. And then head over to the podcast index, podcastindex.org, and look for the Coda Radio program. And you can boost right in from their webpage like several folks did this week. And of course... You can become a member if you'd like to send your fiat coupons instead of uh, the uh, Satoshi Sats. Satoshi Sats. CoderQA.co. Sign up. And as a thank you, we'll give you an ad-free version of the show and the occasional thank you to our members with special content and things like that. And shout-outs and uh, discounts on swag at CoderQA.co. It's a great way to invest in the ongoing production of this here pod. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people out there? No, uh, just go check out alice.dev, and uh, I'm on the uh, Twitters and the Mastodons at Tumanuko, though I'm not too active. Yeah, indeed. I'll send everybody to the Matrix. The chat room is always there. Coder.show slash Matrix for details on that. And a uh, big happy tax day to everybody, which uh, I mm. think is tomorrow as we record, so it's a day after. Oh, God. Doesn't matter for me. <laughs> I'm delaying that thing. Oof. Yes. Oof. But get an extension, let me tell you what. Links to what we talked about today at coder.show slash 514. If you want to send an email into the show, our contact page is coder.show slash contact. And our RSS feed is coder.show slash RSS. Put that right there and get it directly or go to coder.show slash subscribe for the easy links. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. I'll see you right back here next week. Inappropriate?